0: through fifth grade up here and those three fours and five-year-olds to the back with Rachel looks like Rachel's your teacher this morning Uh, and we'll begin here in just a moment I was looking uh, a number of our folks of course are are here and just it's it's nice just to see who's checking in saying good morning so I'm going to say good morning to everybody that's been checking in Jason Whitus I don't know whether uh, you all remember the whitest family from years ago. Uh, man, still part of, part of us, part of our hearts. Uh, their girls are, are, well, let me see, I think, I think their oldest has graduated. And, and uh, Anyway, it's been fun watching them, and Jason is on, so I'm going to relate that you all said hello to Jason in this. So this has been the nice part of streaming. Uh, I, I know that maybe some are not here because of uh, threatening weather um and and so we're so glad that we at least have this opportunity to to have uh, the stream i'm going to put this away or this could be a real distraction uh, uh that that at least uh we we could still gather i thought one of the things is the questionable mornings when oh man it, it's really cold it might be slick well, we don't want to get out people have that alternative maybe to stream and, and be with us there's nothing i will say this There's there's nothing more precious than being together. I I am a people person. I love to be around you folks on Sunday. I look forward to Sunday where we get to worship together. And I am praying and looking forward to the day when we could have everyone here, you know, uh, and and just uh, be able to embrace and to enjoy conversation and to see your faces and just Man, celebrate God's goodness together, right? Just to have that opportunity. I, I want to start this morning before I jump into preaching just to apologize. I, I, I feel very necessary to apologize because uh, last week was absolutely my fault that we weren't meeting. Uh, that we, we met the Sunday before. Two days later, I was. You know tested with with uh, tested positive with uh, the virus. We had been with our our son a week away, and he tested like uh, the Saturday before. and and in our own mind, we, well, he wasn't contagious then. and and we're assuming we don't know for sure. We're assuming that we picked it up from Travis, so uh, please don't send any hateful things towards Travis. We still love that guy. Uh, but, but I, you know, we, we just have to say the the bottom line is we weren't careful like we should have been. And, and so I, and, and here's the praise though, and, and, and grace, I believe it is by the grace of God that many of those we had up close and personal contacts with are fine. You know, so, so none of them have, have contacted the, uh, the virus. And so I praise God for that and only God. Okay uh for that so uh, along with that uh, maybe i'm the poster child for this just be careful right uh just just we we want to, and even those that are listening if you're home uh, with the possibilities we thank you for that if you have maybe flu-like uh, symptoms and that's why you're home today uh, thank you for that uh, and, and we just want to encourage you to do that man if you have a temperature or something we encourage you to stay home uh, if if by chance you've been around someone uh, you know, just take the caution and, and stay at home, watch the stream. Uh, this is going to go around, and it, it is going around, and it's survivable, yay. Uh, we, we did all right, and we're feeling good, and so uh, our, our greatest concern is not to pass it on, and I know that's on your hearts as well. I also encourage you, of course, the church, you know, encourages you to wear a mask if, if you've got that, And uh, but otherwise, we're here we're here, and we're going to worship, and I get to preach. <laughs> I'm, I'm very excited and looking forward to this, so it's, it's, uh, I, I'm ready to do this. We are actually turning back into our series where we were back in November, so let me remind you where we were. It is walking through this book of 1 Corinthians. I hope that I hope that it was a be, good beginning for many of you as you're going through there. I heard some good things. Please let me know questions. Maybe I'm not uncovering something that you have questions about, or or if by chance there's something that's really encouraging to you, uh, just just you know communicate with me. I love that. Uh, if if we had that opportunity, just to me preach and you respond, uh, that 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 would be more in my wheelhouse. But uh, you don't get that opportunity. For 30 minutes, I'm going to talk and you get to listen, but I do would love love to hear comments and thoughts, and if there's any challenges that, that you'd like to share with me, let me know. Here's the challenge of the, the Corinthian church, and, and you tell me if you're getting this as well. Just Just the fact that here it is, a brand new church... We, we have to say it's a brand new church. Uh, most of the, the works that I've been reading, you know, at least a, a period of three years since that actually began in this absolutely pagan area, began to, to uh, uh, thrive with Christianity. So three years. And even Paul at that time, they, they ought to be maturing, is, was his own thought. You know, 1 Corinthians 3 you ought to be you ought to be maturing by now uh, was one of the th- thoughts that was laid out there. The first six chapters it, it was discipline. Paul was dealing with matters of discipline and we learned from that. We're, we were able to walk through that and, and, and learn some some very uh, important principles that we could grow from and and in beginning in chapter seven, as he talked about marriage and, and, and other things, he began to deal with things, topics that, that actually the Corinthians, whether they were having debates over certain things or just not quite clear on certain things, had written to Paul and said, here's some questions. And one of those topics is what we're dealing with today. In chapter 8, if you, if you have your Bibles, I always encourage you, man, your device or your Bible in front of you, uh, because I'll be referring back and forth to that. All of chapter 8, 13 verses, we're going to be looking at. I'm going to read the first three verses but but here's the topic. If you if you look in that title is up on the top, it says meat sacrifice to idols. Oh man, difficult topic today. How many of us are struggling with meat sacrifice to idols? Anybody? It, it, really not. I, I I don't know. And 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 I will say there's quite a possibility in some cultures. Yeah, that could be a serious serious, serious thing. But for. Uh, For my own experience, and I believe many of you around me, uh, we're we're not struggling with meat-sacrifice idols, but the content of what Paul answers here is is a principle laid out that we need to embrace, that that ought to be a part of our lives. So I think this is very uh, uh, important to go through this chapter 8 of 1 Corinthians. I will let you know as well that that in this, uh, it introduces it in chapter 8. But, but this topic is continued to be brought up in chapter 9 and chapter 10. So, so just, just to say we're not exhausting it here in chapter 13. Paul begins with this answer, but there are other answers to follow. I want to make, make that clear because there's, there's more to this answer than what we have today. But, but he deals with, I, I believe, probably the most important response and, and a principle that we need to be embracing uh, in this chapter. Um. Let me begin here. Before I read the first three verses, idolatry in, in the city of Corinth was just part of their culture. It's part of their life. Uh, and, and, and it's going to be difficult for us to understand, but, you know, like churches we see, as you're driving down through, through junctions, you see churches in various locations. There were temples all over Corinth, and, and, and they were noticeable, and, and they were significant for the lives of all the people in Corinth. Temples to uh, let me see, Er Aphrodite, uh, uh, to Apollo and and Poseidon, and and numerous others, numerous others. Uh, In these temples, they would hold cultic feasts, temple feasts, and and uh, it 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 wasn't rich, it it was ritualistic, but it was also something enjoyable. It, it was something that they enjoyed doing together, eating these feasts together in the temples. Uh, it, also part of, of this, this uh, uh, adultery, the, the, this idolatrous area. Adult, idolatrous area. Excuse me. Is is sports? Uh, Poseidon. Uh, matter of fact, in this area is one of the areas where they would hold hold the what's called the Panhellenic games. Olympics if you it would be Olympics to us, where they would they would bring their best from different cities and compete. And and idolatry was all over it. I I don't know the banners instead of representing like the chiefs or the buccaneers or or whatever else, representing each of the, the players, they would be representing their gods in these games. And it was very much a part of of their lives. And now here they are, the Corinthians, and why the, Christian is, why the question is even raised, the Corinthians are, are um, now finding out there's only one true God, and, and they are worshiping one true God, and they're learning how to conduct themselves in an, in an idolatrous city for observing this one God, this one and only God. Acts, no, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. Now Paul lays out his answer in these first three verses. We're we're about to just read Paul's concise answer in these three verses. So listen carefully as we read them. And then as I go through my sermon, we're going to unfold the rest of the, the verses because Paul does that. He unfolds and he, he goes into description of, of what we're reading here in verses 1 through 3. So we're going to continue to focus on 1 through 3 as we go through the rest of this chapter. So first of all, let's begin where Paul picks up. He says, now about food sacrificed idols. We know that we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. But whoever loves God is known by God. Uh, Conduct. You know, how how we conduct ourselves is important as believers. Wouldn't we say that's true? Absolutely. Uh, Matter of fact, we've talked time and time again how when we become believers, man, life changes. The, the way we live life is different, but how you know what is it that determines how we live? What determines our con- conduct as we as we live together amongst our, each you know within within the body? But how how is our conduct to, to be seen even out within our community around us? That's the question I want to answer this morning. That's what Paul I believe answers in this as well. what, what is the key? thoughts when it comes to considering our conduct. Well, let's let's go to number one. And Paul deals with this and and makes this clear. Knowledge alone cannot be a guide for our conduct. Knowledge alone cannot be a guide for our conduct. It, It would seem more simple though, wouldn't it? Just tell us the do's and the don'ts. Why don't you? Just let's just create a list and, and make it clear, we'll post it everywhere and say, here's what you do and here's what you don't do. But what was that? You know, that was the law in the Old Testament, right? I mean, they, they lived by and they, they couldn't do it. Matter of fact, we would all, if, if we were all putting together lists of, well, I think these things are wrong, these, we'd all be putting together different lists. We don't live by lists. We don't live by do's and don'ts anymore. How, you know... We live under the grace and the mercy of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that right? Yeah. That's where we live. That's what we understand. There, there is a list in, in, in this great change that we see through the book of Acts. When it, when it comes to, hey, we're switching from this, this uh, salvation under the law or, or, or you know, this, this, uh, uh, this, this life that we lived under the law is no longer jesus fulfilled the law now we live under grace when when the gentile churches began to be produced there was a jerusalem council that met in acts chapter 15 and and uh, so peter shared what was going on as the gentiles were coming to know christ and they were beginning to meet and 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 enjoy the fellowship together well they didn't they hadn't been living under laws so the concern of the the Jerusalem counted, they gave them a short list. Uh, Acts chapter 15 verse 20 says, hey, tell them to abstain from these things. Food polluted uh, by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. All those things are included are about idolatry. Everything there within that, even the sexual immorality, is all tied to uh, to to the uh, idolatrous uh, lives of of these Gentiles, whatever city, all throughout. It was idolatrous lives where where they had been observing and and dedicating their lives to to various gods, not one but various gods, all throughout the city. They would pay homage here. They would pay homage here, and it was again. I'd say it was it was very much a part of their. Culture. So the church in, in Jerusalem said, "Hey, just just have them step away from the things of idolatry, uh, sexual immorality, part of that, uh, eating meat, uh, sacrifice to idols, big part of that. We'll put those two down. That, but that's the list. That a very short list for people who who observed all the laws in the Old Testament. They didn't step away. They didn't talk about festivals. They didn't talk about anything else. So just hey." Commit yourselves to God is the focus, right? Don't be focusing on these other gods you've been worshiping. Focus upon this one God. Now Paul uh, begins, you know, let's, let's go back in verse 1, he says, we all possess knowledge. Now, the Corinthians were all over this. We know, we have understanding, and I believe these people were studiers, and they listened to Paul, and they had access to everything he taught, and, and I I even believe that they went into the Old Testament and learned things. That's why they probably enjoyed their, their freedom so much more that they, know, they knew and embraced the grace that they had been given. I, I don't think these people were, were uneducated at all. I believe they were embracing their, their knowledge. A matter of fact, that's why Paul would say that. That's why Paul would come along and say, uh, you know, we all possess knowledge. Then Paul lays out in, in verse 4, through six, he lays out the facts. He he wants to lay out details. Listen to what he says in verse 4. So then, about eating food sacrificed idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. Fact one. Corinthians are all over this. Uh, an idol is nothing. It is nothing. So you go through Corinthians and you see all these idols. Hey, they are nothing. They mean nothing. And it probably is br- embraced by, by the second point. And that number two, the fact number two, there is no God but one. These are, man, we know these things. That's what the Corinthians are saying. And Paul is just kind of, he's not making these statements for them to know. They know these things. Paul's saying, hey, we know these two things. Idols are nothing, and there is only one God. Listen listen as he continues on. Verse 5. In in verse 5, he says, for even if there are so-called gods, now why is he bringing that up? For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords. And, and what he's saying is, as you walk through Corinth, there is evidence of gods. There's temples. There's names over those temples. Uh, these, these even exist because they exist in the imagination and even in the outworking of the people of Corinth. Uh, All these gods exist only because they are focusing and celebrating their attention upon these gods. Understand? Other than that, the Corinthians are saying they don't exist. These idols are nothing and there is only one God. We're there, aren't we? We're we're there. We, We know these things to be absolutely true. There's only one God. And, and, and for those who are going to temples and, and, and would be sacrificing or doing their many prayers, they speak to no one. The only reason they would even exist is in the imagination of those who are worshiping. But that's not us. Whether we believe it or not, God exists. God is. Whether, whether, we, whether we're here or not, I believe that is absolutely true. He created, I came about, he doesn't exist because Ronnie Roberts believes in him. He doesn't exist because we all are gathered this morning. He exists because he is. He is the great I am. Woo! I love that. I love that. The Corinthians know that. They're embracing that as well. They're saying amen to that. But there's a problem. <laughs> problem is, comes up in verse 7. Look, Paul says, But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having uh, been sacrificed to a god. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. So not everybody has that same understanding. There are some who, who, uh, let's put it this way, there are some there who who grew up and their lives were saturated in this idolatry and it is you know, when they made this change of believing in the one true god that going into the temple wasn't an option anymore why because in that temple i was worshiping a god i had my attention focused on a god and i'm not doing that anymore do we understand that do we can we grasp and understand how maybe even in my own conscience it would be difficult for me to return to that place because i don't do that anymore i I would say if i if i were to go into that temple and sit down with the people i'm acquainted with and and share a meal even though i know these two facts that that idols mean nothing and and there is only one god even though my mind is wrestling with that the place where my mind continues to exist, I'm being unfaithful before my God because I'm seated at this table of celebration for some other God, little g. Does that make sense? You see, that's what the Corinthians are dealing with. There's a group in there saying, man, we, we know things. We know things. We, we have freedom. Woo! We have freedom because, look, look, what, and they probably would even express the things that are being said in, in verse 8. And verse 8 says, but food does not bring us near to God. It's not food. It's not about food. We are no worse if we eat it and no, no, no better off if we do. It, it doesn't matter. So they, they, they've got that knowledge. They've got that understanding. But again, in their midst, brothers and sisters in Christ who came out of that idolatry, that for them, it is as in being unfaithful to God to be there, to be in that temple, to be in the presence of other people who are worshiping a God they know doesn't exist. And yet, in their own heart, they feel like they're being unfaithful. So what should the people do who, who, are, who are, 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 have this knowledge who have this understanding. Matter of fact, Paul even says the danger is here. That knowledge puffs up. You know what that means, don't you? <laughs> it means those people are saying, woo Hey, I know these things. They're a little bit proud of their knowledge. They're, they're, man, and, and, and it is, I have the right to do whatever I want. I have freedom. And they're lavishing themselves in it. And that knowledge puffs up. Because you know why? It's all about me. It's it's all about me and what I want and my rights. It's not a place that Paul is saying is favorable at all. Because he follows this. He follows this with this. Knowledge without love is destructive. Point two. Knowledge without love is destructive. Destructive, not sometimes destructive. Knowledge without love is destructive. Verses 9 through 11. Listen to what he says. 9 through 11. He says, Be careful, warning laid out. However, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in the idol's temple, and I believe this is what was happening. While, while the Corinthians were going through this debate, I believe there's some of those Corinthians who were enjoying their freedom and say, man, we don't have to turn our backs on something like this festival and, and eating meat with, with our, our people in the community. We could be right here and, and we're good because we know there's no God. I mean, we, we know there's only one God and these idols are nothing. And, and the, the God of this temple is nothing. There, therefore, yeah, we'll freely eat here. But but when a, a brother or sister in Christ, a weaker brother and sister in Christ sees them enjoying in life, then what it says, l- let, me, let me move on with what the passage says, not leaving this behind. But if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in the idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened, uh, emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? They're gonna be they they, they think, oh well. That person who I, my brother, who, who I, I value, sees it as okay. I'm going I'm to eat, I'm going to go in there and eat with him. It's okay. He makes it okay. But all the while, he is wrestling with his conscience because he, he feels that unfaithfulness before God as he enters and begins to eat the meat. Where's his heart? Where's his heart? Well, in this case, in this day, it wasn't upon anybody but themselves, and their puffed up knowledge. But if they were loving, if they were caring, would they have not chosen differently? Jesus dealt with this stumbling block issue. Luke 17, 1 and 2, Jesus said, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. (laughs) Amen to that, right? The things that that are going to cause us to stumble, they're all over. They're all over. And, and, and man, I'm so glad I have you and you have each other in order to find strength to overcome the causes of temptation, right? But, but they're all over is what Jesus says. But woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a, a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. A stumbling block. Again, I said earlier, you know, there's, uh, let, let, let's, let's bring this to, to, to something more practical because, you know, e- eating meat, sacrifice idols, <laughs> we're all good. So far, so good. Right, everybody? Everything is permissible. What about drinking alcohol? You know, I, I, I have found out there's freedom, glass of wine, things like that there's there's freedom there there's there's nothing there's nothing but but i've known people who've come out of households where there are demons existing in that and and as they come into christ is it possible that we got to be careful just absolutely careful that we're not bringing that person back into a place where those demons resided right and, and we can name all kinds of other things gambling or or even maybe the places we used to frequent before we became a believer maybe in bars or or in clubs and and certain areas that we know man that that if people were to enter again they would just feel this sense of unfaithfulness before god you see it's it's not about my rights oh people we've got to understand that Paul is saying that really clear. It's not about your rights. Jesus didn't die for us to walk around and say, "I've got my rights. I got my freedom. Woohoo!" <laughs> but it is absolutely about loving my brother and sister in Christ. Man, do I, I do I feel that? Oh man, I'm going to be unfaithful to God if I partake in, in certain things and 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 call it sinfulness. I, maybe there are some things that that I've I've avoided in my life because. I just feel like it's, it's, it's that separation from God. And, and I don't know. So what, what standard do we lay down? We don't create a list, but we get to know one another. We, we find out where you come from. What are the things that, that when you became uh, uh, acquainted with Christ and you're building that relationship with Christ, what are the things that you've had to step away from? Because you felt like in this place, and if I continue that, it is like an unfaithfulness before God. Do you understand? It, it's hard to, to, to draw a line exactly everywhere. Let, let me throw another one in there. What about fanaticism? <laughs> thinking, thinking about, uh, uh, you know, we, especially I speak it on the day of the, the, the Super Bowl. You know, we're excited about Chiefs and Buccaneers and watching football. Love uh, and, 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 and I'm not saying that's wrong. But is it possible that my love for a certain team, college football, uh, whatever sport, or, or or whatever focus, that it it is it, is it ever possible that my love, my focus upon it, goes exceeds well beyond my focus and my commitment before God? It's idolatry. It's idolatry. And, and, and so even, even around that, man, to, t- again, the freedom to enjoy and watch and even come together later today and enjoy food and each other and, and, and that that is not the pivotal part of my world. God is. God is. And, and they could go with so many other things, not just sports, but other, other hobbies and, and focuses Anything that would come between me and my God, anything that would come between you and your God, ought to be my concern. I want to help you. I want to help you that, that he is number one. He's, he's the one I'm devoted to. And when everything else around me is, is, is calling up distractions or anything else, oh, my focus is still upon him. That's where I want your focus. Right? That's where you want your focus. That there is nothing, there is no one that comes between me and my God. Are you with me? Are you with me? I know you are. I know your hearts. I know where you're growing and I'm loving it. I'm loving it. The focus is always going to be upon, uh, upon God and what He's done through, through Jesus. Let me... Let me uh, Draw this too close, because I, I could get carried away here. But, but sin, it, 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 is, it is a sin against that brother or sister in Christ. First of all, we've got to be very careful uh, uh, to, to cause them to fall away. It, it, it describes that we might cause them to be destroyed by your knowledge. If we cause them to stumble, we, we could cause them to be destroyed. To, to having them turn back and, and continue to, to, to sear their, uh, their, their knowledge by continuing an activity or an action that, that they feel like they're putting it before God. It, and we can't do that. But even more so in verse 12, Paul brings up this fact that it could also, and it is also, a sin against Christ. It is a sin directly against Christ Let me read what Paul says. He says, when you sin against them in this way, when you cause that stumbling block and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. You sin against Jesus. Gordon Fee says, to wound a member of Christ is to wound Christ. To sin against one of Christ's own is to sin against the one to whom the wounded person belongs. I don't want to sin against Jesus. I don't want to offend the Savior who went to the cross for on my behalf and has given me this salvation. I know you're with me on that, right? I don't want to offend Jesus. Therefore, the guide for true Christian conduct is love. The guide for true Christian conduct is love. It's it's love. It's not. Now, knowledge is important. Paul's not saying, hey, knowledge is not important. He wants us to know, he wants us to grow. We want to understand these scriptures. But along with it, there must be love. It must be tempered with love. Love even brings. Us to the place of denying my own rights for my brother or sister in Christ. That's what Paul has done. And In verse 13, he says, Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. Now, for some of us, guys, that is, that is a powerful statement. <laughs> Isn't it? I'm going to give it up. Why? Because of my brother and sister in Christ i'm going to give it up man those are hard words when it's something that we're impassioned about but the thing that i'm impassioned about might cause my brother or sister who i care for and i love it might cause them to stumble paul paul says it emphatically i'm not going to eat it again because that's his heart that's the heart that i believe god puts within us isn't that true that's the heart that God gives to us in order for us to love one another and to care for what we each uh, are focused upon. And may that be God. May that be God and His wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. True knowledge revealed. Here's true knowledge revealed in verse 3. Let me, let me go back to verse 2 and 2. 2 and 3 of, of where Paul began he says something very powerful I want to end with, and it's this. He says, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know, right? That's what we've learned. We've, we've grasped that. And when we think we know something, boy, be careful. If you're not loving, there's a problem. Matter of fact, he says in verse 3, he said, but whoever loves God is known by God. Now, let me, uh, especially in the commentary that I was using, he, he brings up uh, something that I wouldn't have known otherwise. He, he talks about many of the manuscripts that, that our scriptures come from. He says some of the predominant manuscripts that, that we put together in the, the New Testament. Actually leaves out a, a, a couple words. And it comes out even more simple. He says it like this. If anyone loves, this person truly knows. Or... It could be if anyone loves this person, truly, is known, and and actually it fits this whole this whole uh, chapter that Paul is laying out. This fits this whole chapter so much even the simplest form of of this sentence, and it says this, and it means this. If anyone loves this person, if if it's in the middle voice, if anyone loves. They have reached the fullness of knowledge, the fullness of understanding, or even in the passive voice, if, if anyone loves, they have received by God, they are received by God as having true knowledge. We, we often think knowledge is, is, is uh, you know, what we know, facts laid out and man we rejoice in those facts i mean the grace and and mercy and the forgiveness that we have in christ we we know that we worship that we uh, i mean we worship god and we love him because of what he's given us but what paul says today this principle do do not miss it that knowledge without love is destructive the way we handle the knowledge that we receive and we want to continue to know and understand his word right It has to be joined together with a love for one another. Having the conversations, learning to understand each other, making adjustments, denying my rights in order for me to love my brother and sister in Christ as they grow, absolutely. Paul's message to the church. Let me just say this. Fostering the family of God is fostering this love. It's not a love that we've created on our own, is it? Absolutely not. It's not a love that we created on our own. It's a love that we've learned through Jesus. It's a love that we see through that gospel message. It is a love that He has given to us that we don't deserve. And we, in turn, embrace the mercy, the grace, and the love, and and act on it amongst each other. Isn't that right? Amen. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you for the love that you have revealed in sending him into this world. We praise you, Father, for his obedience as he went to the cross. Lord, that has uh, just set For us, a course within your mercy and grace to be your people, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, if we have been self-centered in our thinking, if we have been prideful in our knowledge, we ask your forgiveness. If, Lord, we have uh, been... Struggling with this love, we pray for your Spirit and your Word's guide to strengthen us to be a people, not just of knowledge, but a people who love and represent the love that we've been given through you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.